Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Hey there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Happy Monday, my friend. Yes, 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 yes. Good to see you. Ah, oh, good to see you. Good I, to see you. I know as far as everybody who's listening, we just saw each other three days ago, but actually it's been a while in the real world. Well, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as but far it's as, good to see you As far again. as text talking. Exciting <laughs> things going on this summer, lots of opportunities, lots of travels. And I yeah. will tell you that today, uh, if uh, if our listeners are catching this before 10 a.m., we're having Vacation Bible School at Livingston. That's correct. And we do one for the whole family. It's not a drop-off Vacation Bible School. So we've got something great, a lesson in store for the for the parents or the guardians to stick around on, on uh, campus and learn something, too. It's yes. a great, great thing. Super excited about that. So we're going to be doing that through Wednesday. Yep, yep. So we'll talk more about it. Of course, you know, if you're not listening to this on the day that it came out, go to our website anyway. Something exciting is probably happening. Probably some, happening. Some plan is coming. So christiansmeethere.org. Go, go see us over there. But right now, we're going to talk about Psalm 99. 99. Psalm 99. Psalms. 99 red psalms. No, wait a minute. That's, that's something else. Okay. Psalm 99, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Well, I see a couple of themes coming through this 99th Psalm as we get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them certainly is praise and worshiping God. Um, and that goes right along with the last few Psalms that we have been discussing. It's another one that I'd put in that section of the Psalter, all about praising God and worshiping him. But then the second one, there seems to be this quality that particularly he is praised for in Psalm 99, and that is holiness. I think I counted up three different times that he is called holy, and uh, I think there's a holy mountain there also, or a holy hill for a fourth time. Certainly. So holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I think we are supposed to see that. In fact, to me, what we find here is you remember in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has his vision of God and of the heavens, we find in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Mm. This 
holiness declared in triplicate. To my knowledge, and maybe I've missed something, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but to my knowledge, this is the only characteristic of God where we find declared with that triplet. Mm. You know, so we know that God is love, but there's no place where it says love, love, love. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, You know, I get it. God is merciful, but there's no place where it says merciful, merciful, merciful. Here, as these angelic spiritual beings want to explain the fundamental character and nature of God, what they trebly declare is holy, holy, holy. It's the concept of being holy to the uttermost. And I think that's exactly what we should see here. I see you looking up something. Well, yeah, I'm just going to say that that scene is echoed then again in the book of Revelation, the vision of God in uh, Revelation chapter four and verse number eight. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So there's that triplet again, and it's interesting there that these spiritual beings, and they are really something to consider how they look, but they have voices, and their voices never cease to praise. Yeah, I, holiness to the utmost. Let me just throw this in at the beginning. As we hear about these seraphim and these cherubim and these spiritual beings upon whom God is enthroned. Mm-hmm. As I was reading through the psalm and studying some things, I was directed to a passage that, honestly, I don't know how many times I've read. I know I've taught classes on this, and I'm sure I've noticed this before, but honestly, I'd forgotten. And that's Solomon's throne. Mm. So if you go back to Second Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 17, as it's talking about him making his throne, here's what we have. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold, which were attached to the throne. And on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests. While twelve lions stood there, one on each end of a step on the six steps, nothing like it was ever made for any kingdom. Mm. Here is this throne, and when Solomon made his throne, notice what he has. He has these great regal creatures that he has cast beside the throne, and then on the dais, on the steps leading up to his throne. And of course, the entire purpose of that was to demonstrate Solomon's royalty, Mm -hmm. was to demonstrate Solomon's power and authority. Here he is, a king that sits upon and above lions. Yeah. And the power and the might of a lion, Solomon has more than that. Well, that's the same picture we're getting about this cherubim and and seraphim under the throne of God. Yeah, I was just going to say, so that really echoes then this throne of heaven is here's this throne for his king. And I can't help but think that the throne of David is the throne of Solomon is also called the throne of the Lord at different times. Absolutely. What we find from this is that it was not uncommon, or let me make it clear, it was more common than we might recognize that when these ancients set up their thrones, set up their palaces. This concept of having creatures of power that demonstrate, you know, molded in mm-hmm. gold and yes. around their thrones and on their dais, uh, this was common. So uh, 
what we now have is this picture of God. What kind of throne does he have? Well, he is enthroned on the cherubim, Mm -hmm. which when we look in Ezekiel and then we look in Revelation, we see that these are grand and magnificent creatures. In Ezekiel, they're pictured as having different kinds of of faces and heads and the wings. And again, it's that idea of, look, Solomon sits on lions, but look at where God is enthroned. He is so high above David, Solomon, all the kings of Israel and Judah. He is so high above all the kings of the earth. He is enthroned on these magnificent, amazing creatures that if you and I saw, I mean, look, if we saw a lion, we're going to run for our lives. If we were to actually see one of these cherubim, I think we would be petrified, fall down on the ground thinking we should worship one of them for how amazing they are. And yet, what do they do? You brought up Revelation. They fall on the ground and worship God. Right. Uh, You know, one of the other echoes is Solomon is now crafting these lions, symbols of power, but that is out of gold. Mm -hmm. It's precious, but it is an animate. Mm -hmm. Cherubim, living beings. Yes, living beings. Oh, that's a good point. In fact, that's sometimes what they're called, the the the, living beings. Well, and they are, you know, this idea of the the Elohim, not as Elohim as God, but Elohim as these spiritual Spiritual beings. Spiritual beings, right, right. All of this, this may seem like we've gone on a sidetrack journey here, but actually all of this is... we're just talking about the holiness of God. Is supporting the holiness <laughs> of God. It actually is supporting because what holiness is, we tend to think of holiness merely as ethical holiness uh. or moral holiness. But what we find here with the nature of God is what I like to call transcendent holiness. If we wanted to get technical, I think I think what some have called it is the here's a, here's a big you know ten dollar word. Let me have a sip of coffee. Say, have a sip I, of coffee. Let, let, I'm sitting down. All right. All right. The ontological holiness. Okay, so ontological is a word that just means about the state of being and the state of existence. And Mm -hmm. so the idea that God has a state of being Mm -hmm. where he is holy Mm -hmm. and holy is the idea of being set apart, of being separated. This is important for us to understand, especially as we consider the fundamental nature and character of God. We I mean, how many times, Andrew, have you preached when you talk about the word saint or the word sanctified, which even though in English we don't see the necessarily the connection between saint and sanctified and the word holy, all of those words go together. Right. And when you preach on saint, what do you tell yeah. people that being a saint means? It means being a set-apart one. Yeah, one who has been set apart out for, for God. God's use, yep. to be taken from that which is mundane, uh, vulgar in that antiquated sense of common, mm-hmm. but lifted up for holy use. Yeah. And as opposed to, say, the common dishes, it's the fine china that's used for those important occasions. Yes. That's what saint and sanctified means, and that's what holy means, set apart. You look like you're looking something up here that you want to bring in before I keep going. Well, what do you got there? I, I just, there is a connection, I think, in Romans 1 okay. between this transcendent holiness and losing that. Mm-hmm. And then also a loss of a moral oh, sure. holiness. Yes. Right? You yes. know that as as God is displaced from being utterly separate and transcendent, uh, instead of aspiring to be like him, uh, something is terribly lost. And so in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, the apostle writes, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And I notice here that if we remember who the creator is, okay, our mind will be in a good place and we'll be pursuing those holy and righteous things. But they said, well, they choose foolishness and they bought into a lie. And so then that spirals down into this moral depravity. And specifically, the foolishness they bought into was rather than worshiping the creator, they worshiped the creature. creature. In other words, Lester they, did, gods. they did not see the set apart, the separation, the transcendence of God over created things. Yeah. And so they looked at the sun and the moon and the stars and they said, ah, God. They looked at the River Nile and they said, ah, God, I mean, this this Nile is what gives us life. So that must be our God. And yeah. and then they looked for gods in things or these lesser gods, even mm-hmm. if they saw them as lesser gods. Oh, there's gods of trees and there's gods within uh, rivers and meadows and mountains and all of those kinds of things. Instead of recognizing the transcendence of God, which is one of the big problems with polytheism, polytheism mm-hmm. equates the gods with so much of the created things. Yes. But then there's also the problem of pantheism. Mm-hmm. Pantheism is the uh, Eastern mystic kind of idea. We find it in Buddhism and Hinduism and a lot of the New Age stuff. And Lucasfilm. <laughs> let's, let's not go there. Oh, now sorry. Now you're meddling. Now, now we're meddling. meddling. But the idea is that God is what everything, everything makes up God. And so all, pan, all, all theism, all is God. You're God, I'm God. Not that you are a God and I am a God, but rather we are part of the one God that makes up everything. The Bible does not present God that way. No. God is separate. God mm-hmm. created all things. And one of the struggles is in those Eastern religions, they will talk about becoming one with God. And our scripture talks about that as well. But they're talking about two different things. In the Eastern religions, becoming one with God means I see, I essentially cease to exist as an individual because I have been enveloped in what is the one God. Whereas when the scripture talks about one with God, it's about a unity, a unity of belief, a unity of submission. I want to surrender and submit to God. What we need to recognize is the holy transcendence of God. Is, is there some, Before we wrap well, up, is and, there one thing you want to add to that? The, the, the practical loss, the practical danger of buying into these false concepts of God, concepts of God is Romans one twenty eight. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gained them over to a debased mind mm-hmm. to those things which are not fitting. Yes. Our minds are, are wrong, not perceiving the world correctly or doing the world correctly when we miss out on the true God. Yes. You know what? I want to talk some more about that tomorrow uh, as we consider the holiness of God and what that means for us. But as it is now, we got to wrap up. Why don't you lead us out in prayer? Our great God and Father, you are holy, holy, holy. Father, we cannot say it enough, and those um, spiritual beings that are able to see you with their own eyes, they, they cannot stop saying it either because it is so true, it is so evident, it would be wrong to say anything otherwise. We pray, Father, that you might open our eyes and help us, Father, this day 
to catch and to keep a glimpse of your glory, your holiness. And Father, to let that guide us home to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.